0: We are hoping to show you just what is possible out there in our strange and wondrous world. One of the dogs started to howl. Almost immediately, all 400 dogs that were there started to howl along with it.
1: We travel for business. We travel for pleasure. The conditions can change so quickly and it became very challenging to maneuver that kayak. We travel to expand our minds. Of course, the most dangerous animal in Africa is the hippo. More people are killed by hippos than anything else. Whether it's one state over. I was looking for a longer treatment, like 90 days, six months, and my treatment plan was to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Or halfway around the globe this fantastic high desert. You watch the sky at
0: night, so you just see the Milky Way and shooting stars.
1: If the world's a book, why only read one page? I'm Elizabeth Hill, and you're listening to a WAMC Northeast Public Radio production. This is Postcards from the Road. At 23 years old, recent Vassar College graduate Chelsea Greenwood joined 41 other North Americans on a journey around the globe. In January 2014, upon searching for a pathway that allowed her to practice her Christian faith and travel, Chelsea stumbled upon The World Race, an interdenominational mission trip that visits 11 countries in 11 months. Greenwood's new book, Leave It All, The Journal of a Maybe Missionary, is a deeply personal account of her travels circumnavigating the globe. She says her family is a huge part of why she decided to join the race.
0: I think that I grew up in about the best family possible um, (laughs) to catapult me into deciding to do a trip to 11 countries in 11 months. Both of my parents and all my grandparents were extremely loving and extremely present growing up and extremely confident and consistent, I think, in, um, in teaching me and my siblings about what it looks like to live a life as a Christian and live a life of faith. I also (laughs) grew up hearing so many exciting stories, especially of my grandparents, of times that they would spend traveling. And my grandma was a writer, so she would travel and speak at conferences and everything. So I think by the time I was getting older and around college age, I had seen enough, I had traveled enough myself, like family vacations, to know that travel was something I was interested in and um, my faith was something that I was invested in. But I was excited about investing in my faith in in an exciting way that would, you know, hopefully lead me to other countries or, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, meeting other people or just like the adventurous side. Yeah. So I went to college in in New York, actually. So that was the first kind of taste of being away from home. And so after four years of that, I was like, you know, yeah, I want to not only be in Poughkeepsie, I want to be, you know, around the world. So I think I felt supported enough growing up to want to go out and try something new and travel and put myself out of my comfort zone.
1: What is the world race for our listeners who may never have heard of it before?
0: The world race is a mission trip. It's an interdenominational mission trip. And it is a trip that goes to 11 countries in 11 months. That's kind of the, the hashtag, the slogan. And people travel um, kind of ages from, from like 21 to 35, I think it is. And they travel in groups of maybe 40 people. To these countries, and each month they are divided into smaller teams of like six or seven people, and then stationed around the country at different programs, ministries, whatever, so you're always put in a place where you are supporting a local ministry. sometimes I didn't even feel like we were supporting them. I felt like we were just kind of there and learning and watching, but that ministry every month can be anything from manual labor to um, to babysitting to teaching English to preaching. One time we had to make a road. We were just given some pickaxes and were shown a thicket and said, okay, we need a road built here. We <laughs> didn't know how to do that, but that was the job for the day. <laughs> so, yeah, varied jobs and a lot of people that you're traveling with, a lot of learning to live with other people.
1: Yeah. What 11 countries did you go to with the world race?
0: We went to, we were on four continents, okay? So we started in North America with Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Then we headed to Europe for Bulgaria and Albania, then down to Africa for Zambia, Malawi, and Mozambique, and then over to Asia, Thailand, Cambodia, and Malaysia. So by the end of the trip, we had circumnavigated the globe.
1: Was community outreach something that you always wanted to do? Was that something that was part of your education?
0: Yes and no. I think that I got pretty fired up about reaching out to people. I got really fired up about that in college. And I really wanted to help people. I had done other mission trips before, you know, for a week or two. And so I knew that it was something that I cared about. But I think, honestly, that by the end of college, I was a little bit on the downswing and not so much interested in that anymore because I kind of was feeling a little bit burned out by it and a little bit doubtful that I even believed a lot of the stuff about my religion. And so choosing to do the world race, I kind of went into it with these, doubts about the validity of the work that I was doing and about the validity of my own faith. And I went anyway, <laughs> and it was um, it was a great year.
1: What did that year. doubt look like? What, <clears throat> what specific aspects?
0: I think in particular it showed up when we would have to do door-to-door evangelism, where we'd have to—this happened in Honduras and Zambia and Malawi, mostly. We would literally go door-to-door and knock on people's doors, and then— preach to them (laughs) and, like, tell them about Jesus. And I had a hard time doing that because I thought, well, A, like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus today because when you think about it, you know, Christianity is a really weird system of beliefs to believe in. So I don't know if I should be trusted to go espouse this system of beliefs to people in other countries who I don't know when I'm not even sure of it myself. So I think it just looked kind of like a lot of questioning myself and questioning anything from, you know, the the point of mission work to God's very existence. I also had just received a degree in world religions from from Vassar, and so I had just spent four years learning about all the other religions, and now my job was to just go say how one was the best. There was just a little bit of dissonance there. But that
1: definitely prepared you to have those conversations with people of different views or different cultures where maybe evangelical beliefs aren't the top religion.
0: Yes. Definitely. I think it made me a good listener. And, you know, the funny thing was, I kept expecting to be met with skepticism and just contempt. Maybe that's because that's how many people in, you know, my neck of the woods now, Seattle, would receive it. But I was surprised by how often we were just met with hospitality and kindness and openness. It was kind of humbling and kind of made it harder for me to have these, like, black and white statements about what I thought was right and wrong about mission work when we were just disarmed by the love that people showed us.
1: What were your aspirations with the trip?
0: You know, the thing that drew me to it when I first learned about it, there were two things. One, the ability to travel to 11 countries. I wanted to travel, but I couldn't imagine traveling, you know, for 11 months and a whole month in each country. That just sounded exhilarating to me. And then the other thing that I loved about it was the fact that you would be in the same community the whole time. You're there for a month in a country, falling in love with the country. You have to uproot, but then you get to stay with the same people. And so I liked that you could go so many places in the world, but then also go so deep with the same group of people. And coming off the race, now that I've finished it, I would actually say that those are the two most valuable things that I took away. The people that I traveled with, I'm going to know for the rest of my life. We go to each other's weddings. Mm. um, We see each other whenever we're in town. And because I've traveled to, you know, 11 countries that I would have never, you know, thought about traveling to beforehand, it's given me so much boldness and curiosity to to travel even more.
1: What was the communication like when you were within the country? Was there any barriers? Did you have translators? Did everyone have a general knowledge of the English language? I mean, I would imagine you were in some rural areas.
0: You know, we were. Um, I, the, the teams that I was on usually lucked out, um, so to speak, and we were in a lot of cities. Um, I would say the first three countries, Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador, um, that's probably where I noticed the, um, the language barrier the most, because I didn't know any Spanish at the time. And so okay. we did always have translators then, But then um, Eastern Europe, we tended to have translators, but we were also doing work there that was either manual labor or we were staying with Americans, so we kind of – it wasn't as, as noticeable. We did tend to have translators. In Africa, we did a lot of preaching, and so when you would preach a sermon, you would have a translator with you, so you would say a sentence, and then the translator translates to the congregation, so you have a second to get your thoughts in order to say your next sentence of the sermon. But we were usually very well taken care of by the people we were staying with. They they, they set us up with translators if we needed them.
1: At any point, did you feel alone or, or smaller with that communication barrier or because you were traveling with people who spoke English, it was pretty easy to have that connection?
0: Yeah, I did feel lonely. The one moment that's sticking out to me, which I think is indicative of other experiences, is... Our very first month we were there, I was spending time with these two girls in Honduras who didn't speak English, I didn't speak Spanish, and they didn't really speak much at all. But I was trying to pray for them, but I didn't know any, <laughs> I didn't know any Spanish words, so I kind of was like peppering my English prayer with like a word here or there. And I felt so like broken and not effective as I was saying this this prayer for them. And I do remember wishing, like, oh, gosh, I wish that there was a more natural way for us to connect because I feel like I've just landed here and I'm, you know, living in this neighborhood without asking anybody's permission and not being able to speak their language is a bummer.
1: How did you overcome that?
0: Well, for that, I did learn more Spanish, which was helpful. But um, I think that over time, throughout the whole trip, whenever I kind of felt lonely or disconnected from people, there was always a way to stay present and to be there with them you know, Mm -hmm. even if I didn't know exactly how to help, even if I didn't know if I was helping by being there, just making the effort to connect to people on a personal level, kind of transcended the whole missionary role. I think we were just able to form relationships and friendships with people. And by the end of the race, we were in Cambodia, and and we were staying in a seminary, and all the students were kind of in their 20s. So we were all the same age. And so that month looked pretty different because we would just spend time with each other. We'd play music together. We would hang out together, you know, outside of, you know, missionary time. We would yeah. just we would just hang out as, as buddies. That was a great way that changed.
1: You mentioned two of the biggest things that you took from the trip, but your book discusses your relationship <clears throat> with God, life, mission work. What are some of the other things that you learned?
0: I think that one question that kind of floats to the top is this question of whether or not God is with us and God takes care of us. I was about halfway through the trip when I received news that a girl in my former school and church community back home had unexpectedly died. And that broke my community's heart, broke my family's heart because we were close to her. And it threw me for a loop because I was like, oh, well, If she passed away and she was, like, young and traveling and doing all this cool stuff, we're also doing that, you know. What if that happens to us? What if we get in a car accident? What if something terrible happens? Because we're traveling all over the world to these, you know, not touristy places, you know. And so it made me feel very unsafe. And so I had this question kind of roiling for a while about whether or not God's presence with us, which is promised in the Bible, was really enough of a promise to hang my hat on. And I would say that that question was maybe not answered, but addressed many times, um, particularly in our harrowing escape from, <laughs> um, from Mozambique, trying to get back over the border into Malawi. We just faced so many setbacks trying to get over there that by the time we finally got back into the country, it felt like nothing short of a miracle. And I felt that even though there had been so many things that went wrong on, on the trip um, that went wrong, you know, just getting out of the country into another one, God had been with us. And so I think I left that trip with the understanding that things can go wrong and we are not always safe and we don't understand things and nothing is guaranteed us, but this idea that God is with us, you know. Um yeah. you know, just like it's important to be with people on the trip, you know, God was with us the whole time and that was worth it <laughs> and that 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 was enough. This book is my diary and so the book has a lot of stuff about, you know, me as a missionary, um, my relationship with God, my relationship with the people I was traveling with, but it's also got quite a bit of minutia, just about life living in, in, in different countries. The foods that we were eating, the foods that were making us sick, um, a lot of little vignettes with, um, with my squad mates. I think looking back at some of those smaller moments that have been the most cherished
1: To learn more about Chelsea Greenwood's experiences abroad with the world race, pick up her self-published book, Leave It All, The Journal of a Maybe Missionary. Postcards from the Road is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. I am your host and producer, Elizabeth Hill. Our theme music is Cherry Blossom Wonders by Kevin MacLeod. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe on your audio app of choice. Visit WAMCPodcasts.org for more information. If you would like to submit your travel story to WAMC, email us at postcards at WAMC.org.